Might as well get this thing rolling here and just, uh, you oh know. Man, I had to yawn. Oh that's no. okay. <sighs> oh. We're just doing the part that doesn't end up in there right now anyway, you know? Oh, well, the part that ends up at the beginning, but yeah. without any context. We always gotta have we always uh, gotta have a solid uh, bit of a cushion to fade to fade in over. Oh, okay. You know. self-conscious about talking about uh no one likes talking about religion or money i guess so i guess that's probably why i just don't think anybody cares about the stonk market and i think it embarrasses me that i've turned into like a wall street bets buffoon i mean i think it's a funny bit amongst the two of us because it annoys (sighs) you so it annoys me so much but uh for the public i think the stonks are not something they want to know about no i will say this though that, that i'm very proud of the uh, wild option, my call mm. that I put on a stonk, I thought it was gonna expire worthless. Guess what? Twenty bucks. Seventeen percent profit, baby. Twenty bucks. Three dollars. <laughs> uh, you know, hey, stop Savannah. this! Stop this! Please don't do the loud noise thing into the mic. At least have technique and back off of it like that. You know better than this by now. It's really annoying. Please don't do it pure refusal please don't do that anyway so yeah i turned a fucking profit on that call but had i held it i panic sold it at the beginning of the day Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. i was certain it was going to be worthless and the moment it turned over into profitable i it's called having paper hands i got rid of that shit and took my three dollars uh-huh but if i had held it for another five few hours? No, it would have been worth like $96. Oh. <laughs> it turned out w- my instincts were correct, and exactly what I thought was going to happen with that stonk did happen, but I panicked and, and got rid of it. So now I know better. But the lesson there is what you do with that $3 and uh, your previous premiums is immediately reinvest it in another long shot of a call. So that's what I did with that. Oh, God. Okay. But that's okay. I'm up 6.1% on the week. I can afford it. This has been Market Watch. Yeah, this is the this is the Market Watch talk. Oh, by the way, huh. I told you I bought that Apple stonk too, right? Yeah. I guess we are gonna just just talk about the oh stocks. Boy. There's no way I can get around it now. No, this this is your new obsession. So like as as you know, yeah, I gotta as get you it go out. through cycles of obsession of th- over things. That's you true. Know. You're right. I'm gonna lose all my money on this one, but oh boy, maybe it's for the better. At least I can't continue after that. Mm. But so I told you I bought an Apple stonk, right? Hmm. Um. I bought an Apple stonk very near to the all-time high, mm-hmm. and then immediately one hour later, there was some kind of lawsuit against Apple, and the stock t- dropped pretty tremendously. It's back today. I'm back in the I'm back okay. in the green, mm. so it didn't turn out to be a horrible thing, but I thought that was pretty funny. Otherwise, all my other stonks we're we're riding, baby. We're good. They we're got good. A, they got a lawsuit. What did Apple do now? Uh, some p- sort of patent lawsuit over us with a small developer over Siri. 
I didn't even read oh. the article. I just saw the headline. I, I literally bought the stonk, took a shower, came out of the shower, and was like, fuck. Oh. And I just watched it drop. This is why you don't watch it all day long. The point is to be like, ooh, just kind of keep an eye on it, but not watch it all day long. Because then, you know. Well, t- with the options, anyway, we can mm. move past the stonks. But with okay. the options that I'm running, I kind of do have to watch it. Because those change very rapidly, minute to minute. But the whole idea of buying the Apple stonk was just that, uh, that one I won't have to watch. I'm mm. just going to hang on to that one for till I die. Mm. That's a retirement stonk right there. One share. One share, but hey, those are fucking valuable. It's about to split into four. And I bet you wish mm. you had one share of Apple in 2003. You know how much it cost back then? $96. $1.19. Ooh, shit. Yeah. Hmm. I, I checked on this because I bought my first iMac in 2003. Ah. And I was like, huh. I knew back then that Apple was good shit. Why didn't I tell my dad, like, dad? 1,000 of these for my birthday, please. Oh, By yeah. now, I'd be fucking retired, dude. You fucking kidding what, me? $400,000? Yeah. That's not... Re- you, can't, you can't retire with that. Sure you can. Are you familiar with the FIRE community? Yeah, but they have more than $400,000. No, they don't, dude. I've been watching FIRE videos on YouTube because mm. I'm about to be poor, losing all my money on stonks. Ah, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to get ready. Okay. And uh, yeah, there's a, there's a guy that retired at age 31, and he only has around $300,000 in net worth. The fuck is wrong with that? You have to have zero debt, and then you have to live a pretty Spartan lifestyle, but yeah, that's totally possible. Ew. No. Wouldn't you rather not work and like not have stuff? I would rather work a little and have stuff. I guess that's true. I, it never it never occurred to me watching these videos why they don't just do that. Like, hey, guy, get a job two days a week. It's really not that big of a deal. Yeah. Is it just for the clout of saying you're retired at 31? Uh-huh. But that, yeah. but at the same time, like, you can't go out to eat with your friends because your budget for meals is a dollar a day. Yeah, get wrecked. That's not the point of retirement. Retirement right. is like, ah, uh, I worked, and now I get to do nothing. Ah, uh, and I get to spend my money lavishly. Well, you know, I wonder if that's just a conception of retirement that we've inherited from boomers. Oh, In yeah. fact, it is. I know that it is. Because you know what? Before the silent generation, there was no such thing as retirement. Hmm. Not in any real sense. You didn't have a fucking 401k or I a pension because so, yeah. there was no labor unions or anything. Your family just took care of you in your multi-generational also, home. Also, you'd like kicked it at like age 70. So it's not like you were like yeah, lasting like, that long. Life expectancy was lower. This is totally uh, a construct that is only going to be available for two generations, and we're not one of them. Yeah, this is why I'm a big fan of uh, Smoke em If You Got Them. Mm-hmm. You got the money? Spend it. Who cares? I guess that's true. If you just plan on never retiring, you can be half retired all the time. Yeah. That's it. You know what? You should start a YouTube channel for this as like the millennial plan. Just, hey, guys, listen. Here's the harsh reality. None of you. We're going to be fucked. None of you be retiring. So drop some tendies and get some sweet kicks while you're alive. Why not? And then when you're 80, you can do the same thing. When you're 80, like, eh, so, like the only thing is people have the fear of, oh, someone's going to have to take care of me when I'm old. It's like, hmm. It, that is true, and I don't know how that's going to happen. I forget if I said it on the podcast, but I threw this theory out to you before that I'm pretty sure I did, hmm. that uh, millennials are just, we're just going to exploit the Zoomers anyway, so we'll have free retirement. We'll just make it a government thing. We'll make uh, them do it. I don't think we'll have free retirement, but honestly, just roll me off a cliff. I know. That's, I know your plan is just to die. My plan is just to die before I ever get to that point. Mm. I think that's the better plan, you know? Mm-hmm. Just burn the candle at both wi- both ends. At some point, you'll get diagnosed with cancer, and then you can just kill yourself. Okay. I mean, Not honestly, about that, but um, what's the big deal? 
you know, I was fan. But it has to be a fun way. Like, I like the idea of just roll me off a cliff and see what happens. And I'll be like, well. God, that's a lot less fun than just, you know, taking a bunch of pills or, or something. No, throw you know, getting thrown off a cliff is is uh, how ISIS kills gay people. So is it symbolic for you? What? <laughs> yeah, that's how that's how they oh. do it. Because in the Quran, they tell you uh, that sodomites need to be thrown off a cliff. So they actually take them up to the top of buildings if they're, oh. if they're not in the vicinity of cliffs. But if they have cliffs, that's what they do. You but could just move to Syria. It's too hot. <laughs> it's too hot. Mm-mm. No, no. You could try to get in with Bashir al-Assad. He lives in a pretty baller-ass house. And if that doesn't work out, you know, just huh. wander around. The Kurds would be nice to you, but if you don't find them, mm. off the cliff you go. What, just walk around going, mm, to the gentleman <laughs> on the street? For the listener, I, I suck the tongue in the side of my mouth like I was sucking a D. Um, the, thi- the thing is, uh, given the prohibitions on homosexuality in very strict Islamic, Islamist societies, I bet there is a lot of gay men. You might end up actually sucking and fucking more than you think before you finally get caught. There was a was it the Indian prince who just came out as a Yeah, that was an as Indian a, guy. I did the hands. As a limperist? Yeah. Isn't that a is, you just sort of did a slur there. I can do it. Okay. It's fine. It's like the N-word. You're allowed. I used to do it as, <laughs> I used to do it as a, a young Do you remember Pinky in the Brain? Yes. So Pinky would walk around like with with his hands like this, so I would walk around like that, like oh, imitating no. and my parents were like, "Don't do that." I'm like, why? I'm like Pinky. <laughs> like, oh, you're so dumb, oh child. Oh no, they knew. They're like, they must have. They're like, what the fuck? I'm like, cartoons. And like, okay. Yeah, you've told me some other stories where I'm like, how did your parents not know? Mm. And you never had a su- sufficient explanation, but now I'm certain that they did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because also Pinky had a, a lisp, I think. Yeah, I think it was pretty heavily implied in retrospect that Pinky he, was He was gay. a gay retard? Yeah, for sure. I mean. Hmm. Well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. The retard was the other one. No, Brain had the big brain. He was the schemer. I thought Brain was the gay one. That's what I was thinking. With the giant forehead? Yeah. I was, no, I got Pinky had the limpress because he was the tall one. Right, right. So he was like bobbing around tyrannosaurus style oh okay i got confused so you want it to be the retarded one yeah and it happens to be a stereotypical uh, gay yeah. gesture wow uh-huh. <laughs> that's really that's really revealing you know what it turns foreshadowing out you succeeded yeah <laughs> oh man achievement unlocked mm-hmm. um oh boy you got anything i got nothing i already I talked mean, about the stonks we I had mean, a nice riff on isis which i enjoyed do you want to talk about uh Spa day. Oh sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot that I we fe- did that. Oh man, <laughs> of course, that's huge. I feel like that's that's a a, a rife for uh, experiential uh, talkings about. You know, we're only ten minutes in. A you lot wanna, of which I'm probably going to have to cut. We should riff for a little while. Want to vamp a little we more? We should get to that later because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, because I do have a lot to say mm-hmm. about that. That might spiral into a more interesting conversation. Mm. Mm. Did you try the b- the bidet? I feel oh. like I feel like there's a lot of like follow up that people yeah. are asking about. Oh, we got to give a lot of follow up on the bidet. <laughs> I did try the bidet. I've used it multiple times now, and I fucking endorse the shit out of that thing. I it mean, rules, man. It's great. Yeah, it's great. When you because you used it initially, uh huh, and you told me that it was really high pressure and cold water, and you know, well, a, at first, a gentle warning. 
at first. You're just like, ooh, and then, oh. It's a little surprising, but I was assuming it would be like almost painful or something, the pressure, mm. or the no. water would be so cold that it was it's uncomfortable, that, no. but it's not. It's pretty great. I think it's because it's hot outside, too. I feel like the pipes In the are, winter, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be, ooh, refreshing. Yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I like it. I, I think we should we should reach out to Tushy and see if we can do some ad reads. I mean, they sell t-shirts that say, ask me about my butthole. What? But I, yeah, I feel like that's too much. I feel like you should get one now. I mean, after the whole pinky in the brain thing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. They sell those, really? Uh-huh. I can't believe that. They I give mean, them out as swag to podcast advertisers. There's something going on right now where people are obsessed with assholes and ass eating and like you know what i mean like these cultural swings about sexuality they happen every once in a while where it's like oh i've always gotten my ass eaten i've never thought that was not cool and it's like that's Mm. not true for most people that's not true i i mean and even if it is true i don't know why it's in my like why it's all over why it's just it's on memes all the time you know what i'm talking about right yeah where it's just like you know Lick a hole. Why not? And you're like, what? This is just. And I feel like Tushy's playing on that. I oh, know that 100%. bidets are their industry, but like, if if rimming wasn't a cool thing, all of a sudden oh. this is a Howard Stern episode. Yeah. I apologize, but seriously, I if, if that wasn't a memeable thing, they would never do that. I think it's also they fully were like, once the coronavirus toilet paper run was on, they were like, fuck yeah, free reign, let's do this, because they were backordered for a very long time. I did not even think about that, and that's very true. So now it's a full run, no pun intended, on, you know, shooting shooting water in places. That's one thing I will say about the bidet, is that you do ultimately end up using almost as much toilet paper anyway. No. Well, I don't want to get too technical here. Oh, you shitting through a wicker basket? But no, I do it. I do an initial wipe, you know. Oh. You want to get the majority, I think. No, right? power wash that. No. Wow, really? I feel like it would spray Hell all yeah. over the place. Uh-uh. I don't know. I don't know. No. I don't know. I think I'm going to continue to do the no. wipe, no, wipe number one, then you bidet, and then I have had at least two or three subsequent wipes, because, I mean, water is kind of like... You got to, like, It's kind of all it over the place, yeah. yeah, at that point. It's clean yeah. now, but still, it's very wet. Yeah. So... You know, total, it's definitely less, but it's still more than I thought. Yeah, I thought it was going to be like a, oh, pat, pat, and we're dry. And I was like, oh, you know, it's actually like when everything is wet, you're like, oh, I have to actually dry it. Sure. I mean, the pressure of the thing is so high that like the amount of time that I used it for, for example, I think you could fill up a full cup of water. Not like a glass of water, Mm -hmm. like what's on the table, but I mean a literal measuring measuring cup well that's why you have to use the little the angler to really just use it like a power washer down the whole whole area oh i see what you're saying Mm -hmm. yeah oh you know what i didn't realize that it moved yeah i moved no no no. you know what i'm saying you can move it and you can you can do both and really just like get a 360 in there and then you're like i'm clean oh i didn't realize that good to know yeah 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 well but in in any case i had the same it had the same effect i just uh i had to gyrate oh no 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 no, you know what i'm saying the machines do it for you Uh uh-huh but I, I really want to talk about the important part here is that I achieved plumbing. I did a plumbing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I I had originally come prepared to this episode with a whole monologue I was imagining about that how we we'll failed at plumbing because <laughs> just to set it up for you a little bit, tee it up, you did have some struggles to begin with, which broke our toilet temporarily or at least decommissioned it. For an hour. And then you had to go get some tools and a hose and come back, and you I ha- succeeded. No, I had the hose. I just didn't have a wrench. Okay. 
I didn't have the proper wrench, and I was like, where's the wrench? I know we have a wrench somewhere. But you managed to get as far as disabling the toilet yes, I did. in the meantime. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, got a, what's the thing? Got to cr- uh, break a couple eggs, make a cake. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. You got to pull that toilet up by its bootstraps, you know, yeah, something you, like you that. You got to break some eggs to wash your cake. What came yeah. first, the bidet or the butthole? That was terrible. Um, But no, I actually, I was like, I I reached the panic point of calling three plumbers on a Saturday at like 3.30 p.m. when I realized, oh, this isn't going to (gasps) happen. And then I had to be a big boy, put on my Super Mario overalls and just plumb away. Can I ask you a question? Like, can you describe how did you get to the point where you thought a plumber was going to be necessary like it was so bad the situation that you didn't think you were going to be able to rectify it yet mere minutes later you were able to i was what was going through i was afraid i had the fear that if i undid the thing it would break the bigger pipe Uh uh-huh at which i couldn't because i was being a weak boy and wasn't like pulling hard enough to loosen a nut right and then i was like okay let me just reattach the fixed pipe that's still there. Okay, okay, that's not working. It's leaking. Oh no, it's leaking. It's leaking. It's leaking. It's leaking. Were you and worried about flooding? Yes. Okay. I just, I was, I had like sink kitchen sink flashbacks and was like, oh no, I can't. Fix oh it. right, I forgot about the sink incident. Yeah, yeah. you've had some bad plumbing. I've had some in the past struggles. Um, so, you know, I had that in my brain, and then I was like, okay. Well, and also you're at that do it. at that point on a Saturday, now you're talking about till Monday. No, probably you, getting that. Fixed. It's paying a five hundred dollar emergency plumbing fee. Oh yeah, okay. Which I was like, maybe just be a big boy. And then you got to have some big guy in here with a mask on and his ass crack out. He'd probably yeah. want to use the bidet once he installed it. You know. I mean, you never know. You, you don't want the bidet christened by a Mario type. By a three hundred pound man? No. <laughs> um, he no. fixes the toilet, uses the bidet, but he cracks the bowl, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." wouldn't be surprised um but you know it's just one of those things where you're like i can do this it's fairly simple i just have to not be a little bitch and just go push a little harder and then oh look it's done oh wow no leaking no fuss no muss yep and then it was fine well it's good that you finally did that but i do know what you mean when it comes to um home improvements or installation projects where there's a lot of times where all it's going to take is just a little extra force, but a little extra force with plumbing can fuck up all your plumbing. And not only yeah, it's not just plumbing, but plumbing's a good example. One out of every ten or fifteen times that you try to do that, you you are you definitely break things. Yeah, break it. yeah. Because yeah. anything just the with risk you take, anything with threads, you can crack off and then you're fucked. Especially an old toilet like ours, where like all that shit is like caked with sediment and kind of rusty. There's mineral deposits on the there, whole yeah. reason it's hard to take off in the first place is just that it's like a stalagmite at that point. It's yes. like all fused, it's fused together. Yeah. yeah. Um and I thought about like, well I have like CLR, I could soak it and then it'd be fine. So you know, I ran through all the things. I was like, I can I can probably do this. But then, you know, it was the sad realization of like <sighs> am I useless? I'm useless I'm a failure as like a, a handy man. Even though I'm generally handy, like, I can build things, kind of. I can do plumbing, kind of. I was like, oh, fuck. You know how, like, in your family, there's always that one relative who knows how to do all the, like, one thing? Like, oh, your car breaks down. Oh, take it to your uncle. He sure. Knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I I think you're the kind of handy that most artists are, where, like, if you need to figure something out in the studio, you have the capability to, like, use a nail gun and a chop saw, but it kind of sort of starts and ends there. Yeah, if you give me... I wouldn't describe you as generally handy. I can fill drywall. I can hang drywall. Are you sure? Yes. I guess. Probably not to the satisfaction of another party. That's what I'm getting at here. Good enough. Uh, <laughs> good enough. Uh, functionally, uh, uh, you know, able to do it. Um, but I was like, oh, fuck. I don't actually have the skill. But I was like, this is why plumbers charge a lot of money. Because it's just fear. Well, they don't have the fear. They don't have the fear. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Like, you trying to do it, you're like, this I could probably do, but I have fear. And oh, I like, see you what know, you're saying. So yeah. they're just capitalizing on fear of, oh, my God, I'm going to fuck this up. And it's like, well... You could, but if you just turn off the valve stem, you're going to be fine. I hate to always harp on the generations, but I do genuinely feel like this is a very millennial problem that for some reason in a single generation, men in particular have largely lost the ability to do like basic home things. Yes. Like I feel the same way about plumbers and electricians and most contractors that like in general, a man in American society should be able to do all of those things competently. Especially in the age of YouTube where it's like, maybe I don't know this part or that part, but you just like look it up real quick and you're like, okay, I got it. Well, this is why like I know how to wire a lamp. Sure. But like, you know, I still have fear like about like putting a track light in here. Yeah, I don't understand that because that's basically the same thing. As long as the power's off, there's really no risk of anything happening. It's always, it's also that other, excuse me, that other thing of like, you know, we don't have a garage with like little bits and pieces. So you, you're like, I think I have everything. And you're like, fuck, I gotta go to Home Depot again. It Son is much more bitch. difficult in New York. Every project like this is going to take a trip or two to Home Depot by the time you're done. Yeah, which it just extends it. You're right. Like if you just had a little workbench that had just extra parts and stuff, it's a lot easier. Like if you have the little caps for the wires. Yeah. Like yeah, Bing Bang Boom done. Like and you, they're dusty, but you're like, well, they're fresh. Who gives a fuck? Right. So like. You know. Yeah, just something as simple as like electrical tape. It's like we don't necessarily have that around. You would no. buy it in anticipation of a project like this, but if you buy the track light first and then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I go to install this and oh, yeah, I forgot this tape. one yeah. thing. And, and then the you go and get thing. the tape and then you run into a problem and you're like, fuck, I don't have the right length of screw mm-hmm. going back again. Yeah. Yeah. It, that's the part where I'm like, like, I need like a actual toolbox that has like stuff because I just have a sewing kit that has three tools thrown in it. Yeah, you do not have a toolbox. At I all. have a toolbox in my studio. That but doesn't those are count studio tools. It's, yeah, it's at the studio. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a toolbox under my bed, but unfortunately, it's been raided several times, and the tools keep leaving the home. So when you needed a <laughs> wrench, you didn't have one because you had taken it and moved it elsewhere. Fun fact. There was no wrench in the bags either, so that wrench got lost at the ether. I don't oh know where well, it is. then that you know what. Perhaps that's my fault, but I don't think I took it anywhere. So given your squirreling away of uh, my various tools, I would almost guarantee you that it's somewhere in your studio, in your car, or at your store. No. Mm. I brought all the tools back from the store. We'll see. We'll see. I have one pair of pliers that I need to give you, and that's it. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I'm the, just, the wrench I'm just actually saying, came from my store. Listen, I'm just saying. That even if you were to get a fully decked out toolbox, you know, you get your next stimmy check and you're like, fuck it, I'm going to buy one of those uh, DeWalt all-in-one 
toolbox sets. It's a fucking toolbox with all the tools in it. Mm-hmm. You get a whole range of wrenches. You get all the, the drill bits you could ever need. You're going to put it here, and then you're going to start taking pieces piece of it piece away. To studio? Just, yeah, just uh-huh. like an ant rating it. Eventually, you'll lose all of it, mm-hmm. except for like the metric wrenches, which will do, which do precisely nothing. Nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you need to take off a bike tire, 15 millimeters. What? I think that's what it is. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Wait, are we getting are we getting another stimmy? I thought this was unclear. It, yes, it seems like the agreement at this point is they still don't know what the fuck is going on with unemployment, but mm. that another stimmy check is coming. Except this time, it's correlated to income. I think it's anybody under seventy five grand gets one. Great, and over that you get less. Oh, by on like a 50, sliding scale $50 or something. Yeah, and like they're doing PPE again, but they don't know what they're doing about the six hundred bucks. It doesn't sound like they're going to reach a deal by the end of the week. It's a fucking disaster, dude. It's a disaster for my stonks, first and foremost. That's where my concern lies, because there's too much volatility in the market this week, and I don't like that. Mm. Mm-hmm. I only want to see the stonks go up. We only like it when stonks go up. I don't care about I don't care about all these piddly fools and their homes and their evictions. <sighs> They're peasants to me now that I'm in the market. Oh, yes, you're very invested in the market. Yes. Mm. <laughs> okay. But no, I don't know what's going to happen. It's unbelievable to me that they that they won't just do this. I'm what's six hundred dollars? I I how I, much can a banana cost, Michael? Yeah, I don't know what they're thinking. I mean, even Mitch McConnell was like, "Yeah, I guess I'll do the six hundred dollars as of today." Oh, but th- it's not up to him. The Democrats have to reach a deal with the White House for some reason. Like they're not working with congressional oh. Republicans. The Republicans were like, "Yeah, we'll do whatever the White House says you can do." So it's the Democrats talking to Steve Mnuchin. I thought he was fine with it. He's like, I don't really care. I don't know. Maybe ultimately he will be. I think I think it's more just like they don't want to give any money to the proles so that more money can go to the big capital firms. Mm. You know? That's really what it is because, you know, then all the private firms end up owning the government debt anyway. Like, the debt is good for them. It's just that if it goes into the hands of the people, they're not getting as much. So? Hey, I mean, I don't know. Oh yeah, that's not how capital. Wall Street, money never sleeps, baby. Greed is good. Okay, I I forgot Gordon Gecko was the co-host on this particular episode. Yeah, I know. I have stonks on the brain, and I've been reading Thomas Piketty's Capital in the Twenty First Century. Which, by the way, I would highly recommend to anybody in our audience. I know nobody that's listening to this will ever pick up that book. You love doorstopper books. However, it is really accessible, and it's really interesting to read right now. For those that don't know, Piketty's Capital is a very famous book as of late. Probably the most like famous popular. It was, it was famous when it was published. Well, two, it was only two, published in 2014. Yeah. That's what I'm getting at. It's very interesting to read now because it was sort of published at the height of the recovery from 07, 08. Mm. But it's about in- inequality in a sympathetic way. And it's uh, very funny reading about what he says. Like A lot of things that were hypothetical in 2014 have come true mm. as a result of COVID and market crash. And so I'm very much enjoying it because i'm only 200 pages into it it's like 600 pages long so i'll report back but i'm imagining that by the time i get to the end of this book i'll have a better read on what's going on right now Hmm. i mean that uh how capitalism ends book like there's a, a a part of the intro that's like you know these are all speculations based on blah 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 the only aberrations would be a large scale like pandemic slash die off of the people and i'm like well here we are yeah i mean it's, it's interesting, interesting. The, the more and more i've also been um 
he's kind of a conservative economist, but I like him nonetheless. I've been listening to this a podcast by this guy, Tyler Cowen. He's like a well-known economist, teaches at George Mason. But the most fascinating thing that I've learned about mainstream economics is that how much they don't factor in to their figuring out of valuations and prices and the dynamics of the market mm-hmm. like obviously with a catastrophic event like an act of god it's sort of unpredictable you how could you ever factor that in i mean i suppose you could take past pandemics and average them and then make a pandemic model and then take past hurricanes yeah. and then average them and make a hurricane model right but like what good is that really like averages over time don't really mean very much like mm. but they don't factor in like they don't factor in very basic things like slavery, for example. Like, it, oh. it, you know, mm. trauma from the past is not added into, like, demographic spreads of today. They're just like, oh, that's curious. Oh. Black people are 12% of the population, and they own, like, a half a percent of the wealth. I wonder how that happened. Oh, well. And like, you just keep moving on. It, it's this idea of representative agents. So that thing I said before about averaging is basically what they do. They average mm. everything and they eliminate all specificity. So ultimately, like most economic models of any particular sector of the economy or any particular thing, uh, whether it's price or velocity of money or whatever, don't really correlate to anything. They're just totally idealistic models. The velocity of money, like when you make a paper airplane out of a dollar? Well, like the amount of money that's circulating at any given time, like oh, like in okay. in a fiat system, since there's nothing in reserve, there's no gold in reserve. So, like the speed of it in and out, moving around, it's the more world. important that money circulates than okay. money gets hoarded. Then you run into problems. Well, we are in a hoarding situation, yeah, exactly. So. so it's it's a, you know, we're testing our current situation, and I'm t- and I shouldn't talk about it anymore because I'm testing the limits of my ability to describe it. Yeah, no. I'm not smart. What what are we here for? If not wild speculation, talking out of our asses. What the fuck point was I making? Oh, just that just that it's funny that like yeah, a, a lot of economists are like, "Oh, what's the problem? There's no big deal." Like, you know, high debts don't matter. Like the real economy doesn't correlate to anything and we just don't even think about that. So, who cares? Where you the know, dollars don't matter and the points aren't real. Yeah. Oh, that's unfortunate. Mhm. I mean, Piketty's whole thesis as I understand it so far is just that we become accustomed to high growth in our society since world war ii mm-hmm. like three to four percent of gdp a year became sort of normal which is stupid well it, it's interesting because there was a lot of fudging of the numbers anyway to, oh, yeah. to sort of arrive at that like having to do with this idea of averaging like if you start to account for different demographics and like uh, get a little bit more specific in the spreads that you're evaluating the real percentage of growth actually goes down but nonetheless, it was higher from 1945 to like 1970 than it had ever really been in history for a number of different reasons. And his whole thesis is that we've returned to an era of low growth, which is what is, quote, quote unquote, normal in history. Like mm-hmm. the growth of the economy didn't really change at all from like 1700 to 1900, mm-hmm. about as far back as we have accurate figures. And then obviously the world wars and Great Depression fuck everything up and send it off a cliff and then it comes rocketing back but just to the same level that it normally is would have been and at, then at yeah. which point you're sitting there for centuries with like one percent growth which causes a lot of problems if your population still goes up uh, that's where the whole idea of concentration of wealth being a problem comes from if you skyrocket up like that but your population's also increasing the people that had that growth before that had that significant advantage continue to have it while more people are produced that don't have it 
So mm. you end up with the 1% versus 99% narrative. Yeah. And you can see why that's like historically a problem in the 18th and 19th centuries with all of their revolutions and like toppling of monarchies because low growth with a lot of technological innovation and a lot of population growth leads to fucking conflict. Well, yeah. So, you know, we could, we could end up managing it well, but, uh, that doesn't seem to be the case. No, (laughs) no, we just have, uh, I mean, in America back in the day, we just had Rockefellers who were like oil money sick. Well, yeah. And then they spent a lot of it. Uh well there's no, a lot of it coming in but there's been a lot they had I mean they had virtual monopolies I mean you see the same thing in tech right now you know they call them uh, Fang Facebook Apple Google and one other one I don't know what the N stands for Netscape no it's <laughs> mi- it's Microsoft or fucking one of the, one of them you know the big tech companies I mean they basically have virtual monopolies on that sector because it's brand new in the yeah. same sense that oil and railroads were at that time. Um, you know, and then in the United States, we had an era of reform because labor unions got together and people like Ro- Teddy Roosevelt got elected. Um, remember when, uh, Microsoft went to that like antitrust slash, uh, monopoly hearing in the nineties? Yeah. And, and they, you know, they just did that like three Again? days ago with, uh, yeah, with Bezos, Zuckerberg, Microsoft wasn't required to be there. Google, God, why can't I remember the fourth big tech company? Netflix. Oh. Um, they're not profitable. Oh yeah, they are. No, they lose money. Well, are you sure about that? Uh-huh. I'm 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 almost positive that's probably not true anymore, but that's how all their business models began. Is you basically give out your service for cheap or free and yeah. you just burn through cash while you're doing that and then eventually you have so many users that have become so reliant on the service mm. that from one year you're, you know, negative whatever in profit and then the next year you're up, way way up. I don't think they're up though. I don't know. Or Maybe. their losses are, you know, whatever. Well, it depends on a lot of things. It depends on how much debt a company holds. Like, revenues are different than profits. Like, if they have yeah. a lot of money coming through, that's just as good or sometimes better than having a lot of money in reserve. Mm. Yeah, I don't think they have cash. Again, velocity of money. Mm. Mm. Um, I didn't know there was also a, a, an actual Mr. Netflix. Like, what? the head of Netflix. Like, it's always the idea of, like, because Netflix, you're like, who's the figurehead? No one knows. Right, but there is an actual like CEO who started it, and he's a real person. I went, oh, there is a Mister Netflix. That huh. is interesting that he's not more famous. I think that's on purpose. Well, sure, yeah. In well, this era, it's like I don't want to be Bill Gates. I don't want to be Zuck. I don't. Wa- no one needs to know about. We we keep our numbers of viewers hidden. It's of also things, so in, like we're not going to talk. It's about also it. incredibly nefarious. Like the most powerful people in the world are not really household names. With the exception of those tech guys. But, like, you know, I guess you don't end up learning about the eyes wide shut style true Illuminati types until they do something so egregious like Epstein yeah. that they get caught. But, like, now there's no such thing as white collar crime. Like, you just, you just heard about, did you hear about the Kodak insider trading thing? Oh, yeah. They got, like, a the Trump administration gave them some kind of deal to develop vaccines, which. Is it's insane. Kodak. Yeah. They, well, they were like, oh, we're a chemical company, actually, not really like a camera company. And it's like, okay, I guess. But like, can you make fucking vaccines out of developer? I don't know. Yeah, whatever. But so. I uh, thought it was for face shields. Maybe. Who cares what it was for? But they got this huge government loan, and then immediately all the top executives just uh, put out calls and sold all their stock, like at record highs. They went from being like a, a single digit stock price to double digits in one day, and they all just sold it. 
And then it was in the news for like one hour. They were like, hey, that seemed really fishy. And everyone was like, I don't know. We got bigger fish to fry right now. Who cares? But also, Kodak was bankrupt. Yeah, that's what like I'm saying. Like a decade ago. No, that, I know. So and they'd been and they'd been limping along for this whole time, like getting by on the resurrection of like I don't know what f- film photographers like me or like making instant digital cameras. Who the hell knows? I'm sure they yeah, have. I don't. I'm sure they have certain commercial contracts for like um, cameras and film and digital technology for like enterprise for business and stuff. But people don't. When's the last time you saw a Kodak digital camera? You're just like. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think that their consumer sector was probably as big of a part of their business after the ad, after the destruction of film photography. I mean, they were kind of over in that respect. Yeah. But whatever like contracts they had elsewhere, and like that guy said, it is kind of true that they are a chemical company. Like people still do need developer, and like if Did they, they ha- make it again, yeah, I'm sure they do, dude. You can still get film developed, so yes, they yeah. do. Hmm. Um, and they still make film, but but that's not going to account for like making any money as a company. Mm. So there must be something behind the scenes going on, hmm. or they were just taking losses, limping along, hoping for something like this, and then they got this government loan. They were like, "Fuck it, we're bailing out." And the, who knows? Kodak will go bankrupt by the end of the year. Who the fuck knows? Oh, probably I don't know. something like that. Yeah, but yeah, the whole point was that there's no such thing as white collar crime anymore. So you can be a nefarious, anonymous billionaire, and you know you'll just be that way. Hmm. Welcome to the Middle Ages, everyone. I mean, I was just listening to a podcast about this 15-year-old who scammed a a tech guy out of, uh, like, $73 million. Wow, good for him. How do you do that? Uh, Like, a SIM card swap. Excuse me? In his phone? So he got all of his information? Is like, bank routing He, like, hacked into, like, the SIM card and basically was like, oh, you're in a new phone, Mr. Richman, and then just diverted it to a different phone. Damn, that's pretty smart. How did he get his hands on this dude's phone in the first place? No, it's all digital. But you said it was a SIM card swap. Yeah, he attacked the SIM card digitally. Oh, okay, okay, okay. And then just replicated it. Ah, mm-hmm. so he just told him he was getting an update or something, and then he had to... No, didn't even have to see the guy. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, oh, that's not what I meant. I just meant on the guy's phone. It's like, oh, hey, you have a, you know... Well, this is why, like, oh, to log in to check your like right. Verizon shit, they're like, what's your blood type? And you're like, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know. That's why people have double and triple factor authentication yeah. for things like this because you can't run well you sort of can but you can't really run a scam remotely if you don't have all these multiple vectors yeah. yeah and like this is why when i was like i think we were in the car and like i got a notification someone logged into your spotify from germany and i went oh they're gonna know one of my passwords and then they're gonna hack into all my shit yeah i mean that does happen so. But, th- but then at the same time, you can have all the cybersecurity you want, and then like every two weeks you'll read the news like about some big hack where millions of users' yeah. information was given. Remember when that happened to Tumblr? That was the big one like a few years oh, ago. Oh, I got... Have you ever gone to Have I Been Pwned? I did, yes. And I was also pwned. Yeah. Yeah. Although it never had any effect on me. I've been very lucky with, with like identity theft stuff. I feel like it happens to people kind of all, all the time. You never had your card stolen? No. Never had like a like. Hey, did you spend this? And you're like, nope. I'm. Pr- I don't think so. the The closest I've ever come to that was like, it was ambiguous to me whether my card had been stolen or whether the card was just worn out. In fact, this happened really recently. That's what I'm referring oh. to. I went to the grocery store and it didn't work, and it kept not working, and it was a big pain in the ass because I knew I had the right balance and blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And when I called them, they didn't. They didn't have a straight answer for me. 
whether it was my card or whether it was hacked or whatever, they were just like, we put a stop on this and we'll just have to send you a new one. Hmm. And I was like, okay, whatever. Yeah. So maybe that was a hack, maybe not. I don't know. Yeah, I've l- I've left, you know, cards at bodegas and then that just gets swiped immediately and you're like, hi, cancel, please. Yeah, like I've never had the thing where somebody got into my bank account and, you know, there's a bunch of charges from Bed Bath & Beyond in Michigan. I mean, I've had I've had my card like, uh, you know, like the mag strips on a, a shifty ATM mm-hmm, where there's mm-hmm. like a little spoofer on it. Like, and then someone in the Bronx was like, going to Models, $300. I'm like, I no. That kind of scam is very impressive to me because how do they put that on there? Like, ATMs all have cameras on them. I never understand how you install An something. ATM in a bodega? I think they do. I'm pretty sure all ATMs have that. Maybe the ones in bodegas don't, but. No. They have mirrors so you can see, like, behind you if anyone's going to, like. Right. But, like, yeah, I, th- I always thought there was cameras on them. Maybe not. No. No. So you just put it on there, then. Yeah, and then no you can mystery. just print off like a mag strip and then just go ham. Yeah. Like I said, been very lucky in that regard. Although I have d- I have really good digital hygiene on my computers. It's my mm. phone that worries me. Cuz like I have a VPN and stuff but yeah. n- nobody can get to my shit on my computer. But on on the phone I'm like, "Eh, you yeah, just kind of why you have Face ID and I'm like, that's the worst idea I've ever heard." No, that that's why it's better than a fucking passcode, dude. Literally unhackable by somebody that finds your phone. It's impossible. It, they'll never be able to do it. It's so much more complicated of a password, all the little dots and like positions of your face than mm-hmm. any string of numbers. It's like having a password that's a uh, hundred million numbers long. Hmm. Think about it that way. I guess it's it would be it would take you know the lifetime of the universe for an algorithm at this point to get through a face ID. Yet you have yeah. six numbers. Like mm-hmm. it would take an algorithm a fraction of a second to crack it if somebody took it and hooked Apparently it up. Apparently, it takes like computer. eighty hours. Yeah, I, I'm I'm exaggerating, but relative to the n- number yeah. of corresponding like units in a Face ID, it's a lot. But this is why I've left my you know left my phone in cabs forever and everyone's like, oh, we can't unlock it. I'm like, well, there you go. Well, and also I think in general most people are good and don't try to steal other people's phones if they find them. And also if they find them are not savvy enough to break into a phone anyway. Yeah, that's true. You know what I mean? I don't think most people know or have the inclination to do that. That's why even even nefarious people that steal phones just go and sell them to bodegas because they don't know how to open them either. Yeah. You know? Hmm. It's the Yemeni cartels or whoever runs all the bodegas in Bedside that knows how to unlock phones. It's oh. like organized crime does it. It's I, very rarely, I think, do individuals actually do that. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, I always wondered. I was like, what did the, that man do with that pink iPhone? I don't know. You know, it wouldn't be hard. I could go on the dark web right now and fucking probably find an algorithm or yeah. a program that I could install on my computer that if I hooked an anonymous phone up to it, it could crack it and open it in mm. yeah. overnight. You know? I just had it set to like wipe when it was powered up again. I was like, there you go. Done. Yeah, I don't know. And, and also, again, seriously, if your phone gets stolen, like, yeah, people might try to try to open the phone and see what's going on in there. And if, if you're like, you know, because there's a lot of dinglings out there that have their like social security number and their banking numbers like saved in notes because they can't be bothered to yeah. remember it. If you do something that stupid, then you fucking deserve it. But if there's apps on your phone that also require another password or a fingerprint or a face ID, yeah. most people aren't trying to do that. They're fucking trying to flip the phone for $200 yeah. to do something else with the $200. It's all about the short sell. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to get $200 for like an, an SE. I don't know. In you 2019. Mean, you, uh, on the black market, you probably you probably could. Maybe not. I don't know. Mm. Or you just trade it for drugs or something. Like, 
That's what I or feel like ca- people would or do. Or just cash in hand, and then who cares? It's a hundred bucks. Right. It's a hundred bucks you didn't have before. It didn't cost you anything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Fair. Um, I want to refill my drink. Let's take a pause, and then we can talk about uh, yeah, I need, float. I need agua, too. Oh, that's what happened in three? Oh, jeez. Okay. Isn't it like set in the Vatican or something? Like, like theater? That like seems looks crazy. It looks like the Met Gala, but like everyone's a little crazy. Well, hey man, you don't need to <laughs> slur my people. <laughs> yeah, sure. There's nothing we can do about it, okay? I'm allergic to my own hair because it's so greasy. <laughs> Olive oil emits from my pores. Okay. Yeah, that's why you can't have more than two tablespoons. I know. 300 calories really do you in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which, speaking of calories, sorry, this before we get into the float, I had Wendy's breakfast today. Let me tell you, that's a fucking treat. Really? I've never actually had it, to be honest with you. Fully endorse. It's a new thing, right? Like in the last oh, couple yeah. of years. Tastes Is this like the first time you've had it? Tastes like real food. I was surprised. Okay, I, I think that's probably a stretch. I'm going to imagine that that isn't true. Um, tastes like real food. Green I Lewis does not endorse Wendy's breakfast as tasting like real food. <laughs> Green might, but Lewis <laughs> all the fucking way. So what did you have? What did you have? Uh, sausage, egg, and cheese on a on a roll. On a roll, so it's not their regular. It's bun. like a semolina roll. Really? And like, there's actual crispy edges on the egg. I was like, this is like going to a fucking bodega. What the fuck? Wow. Well. So you know, it, it when these uh product rollouts are newer, they always tend to be better. I think at every layer of the stack in a business like that, they put a little more effort into it for the first couple of years to get people used to it. And then you have to figure out a way to make it cheaper. And then it'll fall off a cliff. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you're actually, you know, you might be onto something that it's of high quality. And you know, Wendy's is pretty good. I don't think we've talked about it on the podcast before or actually yeah, I mean, we have. undoubtedly we yeah. have. Wendy's is an obsession of ours, but Mm-mm. uh no, no. What, Yours. I'm not going to tag you with the Wendy's obsession? The guy that brought up how excited he was to eat breakfast there and said it tasted like real food. <laughs> low bar. You're going to pin this <laughs> on me. That's a low bar, though. No, thank you. Low bar is, oh, it tastes like real food. Hmm. Anyway, so... It's safe to say it's an obsession of ours. I, I don't lo- like speaking for you, but I'm very comfortable doing it. In I love instance. all trash, so I'm not really, you know, it's not that far oh, off. Oh, you're Catholic with your trash. Yeah. Catholic with your trash food. Yeah. Okay. Well, okay. That's but n- fair. But anyway, uh, I mean, Wendy's is, is high quality. It's top-tier fast food. Always has been. Hopefully always will be. They're reporting earnings this week. That's another stock. Why didn't you buy some Wendy's twinks? Uh, you know, I don't know. COVID. It's always going to be low. Yeah. But drive throughs are made for made for COVID. No, that you know, we talked about it, but they just closed like a bunch of locations because one of their major franchisees was like, oops, coronavirus kind of put me out of business. Of Wendy's? I think it was Wendy's, yeah. Sure, it wasn't Burger King. It was Wendy's and one other restaurant that this guy owned to know. It wasn't Burger King. It was Wendy's and one other thing, and he had to close like 120 something. Pizza Hut. I but those know, are always closing. All, all within the same brand umbrella. Whatever Wendy's is under. Nothing else. Really? Wendy's is its own thing. It's not under Yum or one of these Mm-mm. things. Oh, okay. No wonder it's so good. Yeah. It's like Chipotle. Was owned by McDonald's. Well, it's not. They anymore. sold off there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
you know, yeah. Chipotle, Wendy's, Exxon. That's the future. Yeah. Anyway, not even the future; it's the current. Anyway, should we on. get back to the point here? Let's get. Let's get now back. That you've gotten your little breakfast tidbit out. Yeah, we're all we're here for all your recommendations this week. You know, uh, get Wendy's breakfast, shoot water up your pooper, yep. uh, buy some stoinks. Uh, you know what? I support all of those things. I don't regret anything we've <laughs> talked about so far. This is the endorsement episode. Mm-hmm. Speaking of, now we can get into our last endorsement. Yeah, yeah. We went to, uh, well, what's that place called? Lift. Lift Next Level Floats. Next Level Floats. Uh, it's a Epsom salt tank float experience. It's a sensory deprivation tank. Yeah, but, I, you know. Without, without the tank. We that's do how tanks. I always thought of it colloquially, but. It's not exactly that. I mean, it is sort of that, but it, it's they they market and brand it much more as therapy. As therapy, yeah, yeah. Which I actually think is appropriate. Having now done it, I can say like it's not a novelty experience necessarily. You can treat it that way if you want to, but I think that the people that are regulars there, from what I, what I gathered from my conversation with the guy that worked there, and the vibe that I got from the people that were going in and out who definitely seemed like regulars. Yeah. I don't think there's a lot of um, new customers during coronavirus. Fair, yeah. They all seemed to treat it somewhat spiritually or, like you said, at least therapeutically. It's like going to uh, do, like, an infrared sauna or, like, cryotherapy in a certain way where it's a certain – it is a novelty in some as- – in, in for aspects. For sure, for sure. But it does a lot of things to the body, but, you know, incidentally also does them to the mind. Yeah, I don't think it's so incidental. Mm, Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't know how they would describe it themselves, but I've heard these tank experiences described as womb-like before. Which I think is pretty accurate, honestly. I mean, you're in a sort of fluid with no sense of direction, Mm -hmm. no sense of time. And no real senses except for a little bit of touch and a certain amount of smell. But even barely. Cause, it, but, you know. know, that stuff starts to disappear over time, too, as you yeah. acclimate to the environment. But, yeah. Yeah, I mean, there are people who go in and they're, like, too scared to do it in the dark and they leave the LED lights on. I was wondering that because, you know, I had to watch the video. It was, my oh, fir- yeah. it was my first time going. It was your second or third time? Second. It was Will's second time going. They make you watch, like, an introductory video so you know what the fuck you're doing um but i was surprised that the light controls were optional Mm because i really really feel like it would defeat the purpose if you could have a sense of the room you were in yeah i think that's if you could dim them to be barely there like it was stars i'd maybe be into it you know i feel like that's a little that was unnecessary in my experience because at a certain point whether you have your eyes open or closed you have visuals in there oh yeah you're i mean you know well, maybe we should build to it, but um, I know what you mean. Like, and I would imagine maybe people that are not very uh, woo-woo about it would maybe just prefer to have the lights on. If it's like a physical therapy thing for them or just a relaxation thing and you don't feel like having the intensity yeah. of what can happen with the lights off every time, it maybe it makes sense to let people leave them on. I also, so you can also leave like uh, the bottom button is sound so you can have sound playing the entire time right well no no what's the gray button i don't remember the both okay so there's two different types of experiences there's the panic button to be crystal clear about it there's two types of experiences you can go and do this in a pod 
which is a much mm. smaller and confined space that closes around you. Or you can go and do it in a room, which is what Will and I did. And by room, it's very small. It's closet-sized. It's, it's basically it's a, a big bathtub, bathtub with a yeah. little bit of a ceiling in there. Um, the difference between the two experiences, for whatever reason, I'm not sure, is that the pod is the only one that has music. Oh. Um, I know this because I just watched the oh, video. Oh, the video. They okay, tell yeah. you this in the video. The pod, you can have music for the whole time if you want, and there's a control huh. for that. Is that one more expensive? Same price. Okay, interesting. I don't know why it's only available in that one and not in the room. Perhaps because the pod is soundproofed, now that I'm thinking about it, mm-hmm. so you're not going to disturb anybody else. Oh, Whereas yeah. if you're in one of the rooms with echo. music on, it's going to echo all over the place. Yeah. yeah. So that's probably why. But no, we didn't have control of the music. The hmm. music is controlled by the people there. Oh, it's the timer. Um, yeah, yeah, and it's on a timer. But if you're in the pod, you're allowed to have it the whole time. Huh. In our case, both the controls in the room are just for lights. Oh. Because you can control the little LED lights that kind of look like stars, and then you can control the ambient light, and they're two separate oh. controls. Hmm. You probably just got in there and turned both of them down. I slammed, That's what slammed I did them off too. and went, all yeah. right, let's do this. Mm-hmm. It's also there for, like, if you're, like, doing it, and then, because it's a very strange thing where, like, your body can do several different things. Your body can panic because you're, like, not used to it. Like, you can do a thing of, like, you know, I explain this, like, you know, first five minutes my neck kept wanting to like move up above water, even though it's like, bro, there's salt water. We're going to be fine. So like, you know, the first time I did it, it took like 15 minutes to get, get right. And then it was still tight. I was like, come on. So like, if you do start to panic, you can like light, light on and then your brain can be like, okay, we're not dying. Right. 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 Cause like part of, part of the whole thing is like, you have to do the mental gymnastics of it, it would it's be fine. A, it it's would fine. be a very intense experience for anybody with even the slightest anxiety or claustrophobia oh yeah um but yeah that's an that's an important point that's interesting to note like the sensation of being in that viscous of a liquid is bizarre because you're used to sinking and it won't do that it just won't do it but your body i think it's probably just a ancient biological mechanism thinks you're going to drown if you just lay down in water and do nothing, but Mm -hmm. that absolutely won't happen. So no matter how much you know that in your rational mind, your body is involuntarily doing stuff. I mean, you had warned me that this could happen, so I felt pretty prepared for it. And I'm not that anxious or claustrophobic about Mm. things like that, so I settled into it pretty quickly. But I did notice that, like, it was really difficult to not be tense. Yeah. It was really difficult even once you relaxed to not curl your toes or clench your fists. Like there was all of these um, it's totally like, yeah. automatic processes that take a little while to let go of. It's monkey brain kicking in going totally. like, don't drown. That's part of what's so cool about the experience is that you pass through that phase. And it is meditative in that way where you're like, oh, I don't have to do this. Yeah, You can control seemingly involuntarily involuntary things pretty quickly yeah if you're not scared yeah right it's it's passing the threshold of fear did you use the donut the head donut no i didn't oh i i felt i saw that in the video they Mm -hmm. introduced you to the head donut and i felt very strongly that i wanted the experience to be as pure as possible Mm -hmm. i wanted no help 
You know what I mean? Yeah. I used it for like five minutes and then just to ease into it and then was like, okay, we're done. Training wheels. See, are, yeah. that's the other thing. I mean, I guess it's different on your second time around, but I felt very strongly that I didn't want to move at all. I um, wanted to get in the water, let the water calm down, mm. and then be as still as possible the entire time. To mm. me, it felt like it would defeat the purpose purpose of the exercise to be moving around at all. Like all you gotta do is using the pillow lift your head up and a little bit taking and just go, it away. Whoop. I don't know. I, th- I think that, like, I don't think there's any right or wrong way to approach it. But for me, that ended up being really interesting because, A, how long do you stay s- almost completely still for an hour in your life? Like, for me, that's never. Yeah. I toss and turn all night even when I sleep. It's like that's very unusual to be able to do that and not be in pain, basically, yeah. whether it's psychic or physical. Because well, you're literally not stiffening up. Right. You can be completely relaxed. And also... I noticed in my experience that over the course of it, tiny, smaller and smaller actions and ideas started to have a larger and larger impact the more time went on. Yeah. So you're sitting there and you're completely relaxed. And at one point I did try to like move my finger a little bit and you realize that, wow, that can actually take a lot of effort. If you're super chilled out and you haven't done that in a while, you can do it, but it was this combination of feeling like, well, it's sort of difficult and also pointless. Hmm. I was starting to have these weird combinations of like feeling bodiless, so experimenting with what I could or couldn't do didn't seem to have much of a point. Hmm. And it actually seemed to be taking me out of like the unity that I was experiencing mm. in the tank. Because to me, that was the whole idea. Was that the water is the same temperature as your body. The mm-hmm. air is the same temperature as your body. Eventually, you don't know what direction you're in. Yeah. Logically, you know you're still laying on your back, but you can start to feel yourself, quote, feel yourself rotating. Um, you, sometimes you are. I I told you, like, when I went in, it was like, it was as if I, like, got, like, ancient one pushed out of my body and back into time yeah. to when I was the last time. And then, like... Because that time I ended up like kind of wobbling back and forth. And I was like, how am I doing this? And I immediately like twisted around. And I was like, how am I like horizontal in this tank? Right. So then I had to like reset and be like, okay, no. This is a, this is a different round universe. Thank you very much. Well, I think what happens is that because you're floating in the water, inevitably you're moving a little bit. Like yeah. at the very beginning of my session, I would feel my toes or like one of my hands sort of touch the wall and I would make the slightest possible move to sort of push myself off it and recenter myself only because I didn't want to feel anything. So I didn't want to touch the wall the whole time or whatever, but you have to be very conscious of only doing that a little bit. Cause if you do it too dramatically, you're just going to go back and forth because you're going to slosh the water. So it's very slight to get yourself in the middle and stay there. Yeah. But I think that feeling of rotation or like change of direction that I'm describing does come from just the subtle movement of the water. It's Mm -hmm. back again to this idea that smaller and smaller things, the more relaxed and in a sort of meditative state that you get, the more impact those things have. Yeah. So something as slight as water moving up and down a few millimeters can feel like you're going head over heels. Yeah. I mean, really especially once I started to visualize in there, it started to feel like I was ascending and descending and changing points of view. And Mm -hmm. it's really amazing. I mean, I I think that's what happens to people with good meditation practices that are able to do that, just sitting down Mm -hmm. and focusing. I mean, I've had, you know, I don't have a meditation practice per se, but I've gone on and off with it over the years and I've had similar things happen 
not to the same degree. Um, but I've had similar things happen just sitting and meditating for 20 minutes. Hmm. I mean, I was mostly standing. I had the f- the weight, like the point of view of standing. Interesting, yeah. Like at a, at a window, hmm. like a, a giant window. And then we were just like hurtling through space. And I went, huh. Yeah, I, w- I would Interesting. say I would say that the experience for me was really similar, except that the awareness of laying down was kind of always there. That mm. that that one part never really left me. I didn't feel like I had gravity. Yeah. So it wasn't exactly like I was laying down, but my point of view was not um, facing forward. It was facing up vertically. Oh, huh. No matter what direction I felt like I was in, it was always a sensation of looking up. Oh, huh. That's strange. Yeah, there were a noticeable couple instances, though, where um, I think the best way I could describe it is, you know, when you're in the country, like when we were just up in Vermont and the night sky is so filled with stars and it's so clear that actually the land is the darker part. Mm -hmm. So the trees and the horizon are jet black and then the sky is sort of that pretty like pearly midnight blue Mm -hmm. and purple sort of color. I had that experience a couple times where everything would seem black and then suddenly I'd see sort of a blue, like, isomorphic form that would yeah. become a field, and then I would ascend into it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm interested in comparing these notes, because it's funny how similar I think this must be. Well, here's the thing. There's part of that. So when you first get in and slam the lights, and you're like, all right, let's go, buckle in, that first, like, mm, let's say seven minutes because it's it's even probably less than that but it feels like much longer your rods and your cones are firing with the expectation of seeing stuff so then you're actually all all your bounce is just like after image from the light you got from before so what you're seeing like in my case i'm like i see like things moving around like blobs and i'm like oh i'm seeing my astigmatism yeah which i was like okay so once you once you do the rational things, then you can be like, okay, are we now moving into the beyond now? And you're like, okay, great, yeah. But like, if a door closes and you can hear it, you're like, ah. And then you get bounced back and then you see the astigmatism again. And you're like, fuck, we were going places. Yeah, you know, um, it's a minor tangent, but I felt very lucky because I was in the very last room at the end of the hall. Mm. So I didn't, I think they'd make a lot of effort to soundproof them anyway, but yeah. I couldn't hear fucking shit. Mm. Like, there was nothing going on. I had no distraction the entire time. But um, back to your point, the that's exactly what happens, and that's, to me, why it's so similar to meditation, and because it is, on some level, that. But uh, the way it feels similar is that for the first however many minutes, you're trying to overcome your rational mind to some extent, and the real trick is... Not only worrying about your rods and cones, not only watching your thoughts pass and like sort of letting them go, you can't anticipate anything profound either. That's sort of the the interstitial step between rational mind and then just being present with the experience is there's that critical moment where you can't be like, okay, experience, show me the good shit. Yeah. Because you're still in a cynical mode at that point. Mm-hmm. But once you once I got through that, and just was there in yeah. the mo- in the moment with it. Then you get to see all the good stuff, and the and there's a a weird switch that happens, at least in my mind, where I I'm able to get deep into that space and more easily 
bat away conscious thought. Yeah. And but it's but it's not as if your self disappears. No. You still feel like you, but you're able to control yourself as if it's behind you're you. You're like but you're also like clicking on the windows of the noise in your brain yeah. and going, "No, mute." Mute, no, stop, what? The no. only distinction I would make is that it's slightly different than that because you're beyond rational thought at that point. You're not even saying no. You can just see them or feel that thoughts like that start to appear and then recede. I don't think yeah, I sit there and go, yeah. no, yes, no, yes, because that's that's the binary space of conscious thinking. Um, you can dissolve that or it can dissolve in spite of you. And you still have a yeah. point of view but it's somewhere on a perch above every choice. Yeah. I mean, mm, that only happened when I was do- like breathing deeply and then I was able to like, and I just did like concentrating on that. Yeah. 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 Which and then I, I was like, ah, I don't think they tell you to do that, but I think that's what you should do. I mean, but then it's so loud. It is loud when you're in the tank with earplugs on and you're like, your fuck. breathing is the loudest thing, but yeah. I know what you mean. If you over-focus on your breath at the same time, you can be become distracted by thoughts like, this is too loud. Yeah. And then it ruins it. Yeah. So that, but, but you can get a good two minutes of clarity. Well, but I think you can get much farther than that when you start to recognize the clarity and don't resist it. Yeah. I think every time you think a thought like, this is too loud or this or that, and that's an act of resistance against it. There's some sort of space between making a choice and doing nothing at all but without being passive yeah that's the hard place and that's the place i like the most like i like i told you when we got out of there i had a really i think my scariest moment in the tank was that i think that i fell asleep Mm -hmm. but i don't know because i was so far into this interstitial space that i couldn't tell the difference between waking thought and dreaming thought anymore was it that weird like i just woke up kind of like fuzzy time well i had the same somatic sensation as when you wake up very suddenly from a dream but i was not sure if my eyes were closed i were not Mm. i was not sure if they were open i couldn't tell the difference anymore between thinking about the people in my dream and watching a thought of them pass or something like that yeah and I'm just guessing that I was dreaming, but I might have been deep in meditation. Because mm. I think that's that was the ultimate takeaway for me that I think the tank is useful for, is that it's a shortcut to these kind of transcendent experiences. Mm-hmm. Like, doing le- doing LSD is a similar thing. Mm. Like, if you like the float tank, you would like hallucinogenic drugs because they do the same thing, but in a waking state. Oh. So it's the sort of... I would y- rather have no inputs. Well, but there's things that are interesting about having the inputs but having the same mental space. Hmm. Imagine that. You're deep in a sort of space of feeling and consciousness without binary choice, but you have a lot of inputs. It's fun. You would like it. Hmm. Um, But my point is that these things are kind of shortcuts to an idea of unity. The float experience is very literal, where when you strip away all of your senses, this in philosophy is called the noumena, right? Imagine a cup in your hand and then take away every sensation of the cup in your hand. 
you can't feel it anymore, you can't see it anymore, et cetera, et cetera, until you're left with some sort of pure idea of what a cup is, right? Yeah. That's what you're doing with your entire world in the float tank. Yeah. And when you get stripped down to that level, like, for me, you realize that there is no separation between anything. You're one with everything. It's literalized in terms of the water and the air and your body and the similarity of temperature. But this is the point of meditation. This is the point of religion. Yeah. In a lot of ways is that, you know, when you pass, you go from the world of I and other back to the one. And you can shortcut these things through certain methods. Yeah, but I, I don't know if it's... I don't know. I think we have different... Uh, you I, don't think it's that profound. That's what I'm gathering. Well, no, no, no. My thing, my thing is that it's more so... A, it is about escaping the, the body, and it's, it's about escaping the senses. Which, for me, is the thing that I'm like... You know, you have no self-consciousness of the physical, which I'm like, okay, great. Okay. So then you're just floating brain space. Sure. And, like, that's what I mean. Like, it's just the, a, a projected body, and then you can kind of, like, you know, it's not about, like, your eyes seeing anymore. Yeah, yeah. But you it, know, like that. I, I mean, I think, you're saying, I think you're saying the same thing that I'm saying. I'm not sure. You, you're resisting the further extrapolation that I'm making. Yeah, I'm resisting but, the woo, I'm ex- you know. But, but I, but, uh, well, I want to try to convince yeah. you, because I th- think when you dig down into what you just said, that when you remove all experience and you're just floating brain space, well, what are you left with? It's the noumena that I described with the cup a minute ago. Mm-hmm. You're doing the same thing with your bodily experience and your mental experience that you're doing with the concept of a cup. Because if you are truly just in floating brain space there with no awareness, what are you at that point? What is consciousness at that point? Your brain is a part of your body. So if you're really saying that your pure idea and you're bodiless, effectively, what are you saying? Where's the separation? But I'm not, you know, getting into, you know, it's not joining the oneness and shit like that. Well, I'm just taking the next logical step. Mm. I'm literally asking you. It wasn't rhetorical. What do you think is happening there, if not that? How can you explain consciousness with no awareness of a body? It's the only thing that separates you from the rest of the world in your everyday life. Hmm. And you just had a simulated experience of what it would be like to not have it at all. That means your consciousness is probably not related to your body. Yeah, but it's also not like... It's not with any other consciousness. No, it's just, it's but ju- I never said that no. either. Well, the unity has nothing to do with consciousness. Consciousness is formed out of the separation from the unity. I don't know what a unity is. Unity just meaning that all things are one thing. Hmm. When, you think ab- when you think about the material world, it's only one thing in the end. The universe is a singular object. Yeah, I mean... Because it's composed of different parts, but they are all just mixed together. And when you die, ashes to ashes, you know? That's why I think it's easy to make the religious or spiritual connection there. Hmm. I don't understand... um, I I used to think like you think, um, I'm imagining. Well, I just kind of, you know, it flicks you out of the bodily and into just space-time. Well, no, it flicks you out of space-time, too, as we described before. You feel senses of direction that are not happening. Yeah. You feel... Your perception of time disappear. I think in both of our cases, it felt a lot shorter than it actually was. So, no, it doesn't put you hmm. there either. What I'm saying is, where does it put you? I don't know. Yeah. But I don't want to name it. 
I'm not trying to name it. Well, I only, I only for me the point is not to name it. Well, then you know, I, well, I just don't think that that's any fun. I mean, I don't think the point is to name it either. I think yeah. a lot of spiritual people resist this idea too. It's like the whole idea why in Judaism you don't say God's name. Why do you think this appears over and over again in thinking about the divine? I think that in in our culture, like we've been so thoroughly propagandized to be secular and technological that gesturing towards these things feels corny or whatever. But I'm just trying to take it seriously. And unfortunately, but, because we live in a material world, the the only way to do that is to categorize it. But I don't I'm not saying that's necessary or that my word for it is correct, but I'm trying to talk to you about yeah, it. Yeah, but I for me it's it's not necessarily about like you know, being studious about the experience. It's more about being in the experience and then going, mm-hmm. Because, like, we're doing this as, like, a, a way of trying to describe the sensation of it. But it's, like, n- there's no sensation truly. It's perceived sensation of hurtling through space and time. Logically. Logically. I, w- I would say it's... <laughs> I would say it's perceived sensation of doing something that has nothing to do with space and time. Well, whatever. You know. Yeah. W- but look, look, man. I mean, I agree with you. But ultimately, we have to talk about it. Otherwise, why, you know, what are we doing here on Earth? Why is this interesting? If we're, if we're going to be a part of this reality where we are separated from other things, and mm. this is our one primary advantage as conscious creatures, mm-hmm. you know, monkeys don't do this. They don't talk to each other about, you know, yeah. that tool over there is sharper than this tool over here. Or otherwise, they would, you know, be co-compatible with us, and they're not. So if, if this is the goal of like being alive, un- it's unfortunate that we have to break it down. But yeah. I think it's more interesting to try to break it down and figure out where different people lie on that spectrum. Yeah. Hmm. Um, because I agree with you. I think that most like semi-enlightened people would agree that whatever you're experiencing in the float tank or whatever you're experiencing in deep meditation or prayer or whatever um, is a version of the same thing. It's subjective to a certain extent, but it's clearly universal on some level. And I think it's fascinating yeah. to like gain different perspectives about it. And I'm particularly interested in it because I, I think that had I done the float tank maybe four years ago, I would have enjoyed it, but been much more dismissive of any further implication. Mm. And you're mm. clearly open to further implications, so I don't know why you're ch- you're resisting it a little bit. I... I would be more interested in what your speculation is about what you think the implications of an experience like that is. I, I don't know. And like, that's kind of like why I like doing it because I don't know what the space is. So that, that like, um, it's the only thing where you're just like, I don't know what any of like beyond once you cross the threshold of the, like the acknowledging of the, the physical limitations of of recognizing and then you're kind of like you're smacked in the face and like your uh, you know your spirit leaves your body or whatever or whatever like shadowy figure emerges it's like eh, it's not i don't know what it is but it's a matter of like exploring on your own like i don't, like that's why i'm like the one i'm like no it's still this kind of like i don't want to say it's ego based but it is about like 
what ends of the consciousness are we going to right now? Like, I'm not sure. Like, are we mapping it or are we just kind of like poking around? And I, I kind of wonder if it's actually mapping. Because when you're hurtling through space and going through all these veils of blackness, I'm like, are we mapping the inside of my brain right now? What's going on? Well, that's that. the thing is... I but not inside of brain, physical brain, but like the inside yeah. of, you know, the white box in my brain where, you know, the person pulling the strings is. Well, just to be clear, are you are you consciously thinking that while you're in there? Are you wondering about what's happening as it's happening? No. It's impossible to, no. right? Like, you yeah. you can't get to that point in the experience if you start to back up and analyze. It doesn't no. work like that. No, yeah. what, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, like, it, when I say, like, looking around, like, it is a matter of, like, eyes are open and looking. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's no control over the looking. Things are washing over you. Of course, of course. But, w- but what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm trying to get to, because I agree with you, is in retrospect, now that you're not doing it, now that you are talking to me, you're wondering if that's mapping your brain somehow. But I don't see how it relates to you mm. so much as it relates to everything else. Hmm. You've gotten past yourself, right? There is no analysis in that state. Yeah. There's still self to some extent, but it's a shell. Fair? Yeah. Why can that happen to more than one person given the right circumstances, right? Yeah. Must be related. Eh, perhaps. So if you want to talk about mapping or correlation, like yeah. that's the data we have. Mm-hmm. Getting outside of your analytic ability in a particular experience doesn't then relate back into yourself. In, fa- in yeah. fact, it must not. Hmm. It doesn't mean it can't be subjective in retrospect. Hmm. I don't think. But it's correlated to other people's experience. Hmm. No, I mean, like, when I got out, I felt heavy in a way I didn't, I don't remember being the last time. So that's why I'm like, oh, did... Did we go somewhere else? Yeah, yeah. I, I think you know. Like, I think you probably did. I think that. I think that in terms of the somatic experience of it, the heavier you feel, like the more checked out of your own body you were. Yeah, which is strange. Because mm-hmm. like, and it was very strange. Like towards the end, I was like, I think I've been in here a long time. Like I returned to the body. I had a similar point. Who knows what? But you were, it was. you were also like in there for a full hour. Yeah, I was in there a long time, but um, who knows what minute mark it was. But I did have sort of a return to, like, I don't know. It's unclear where the barrier was, but where I was like, okay, I have I kind of think I'm done, sort of. Yeah. Not in a negative way or no, whatever, no, no. just that, like, I must be getting near the end. You just have some sort of, again, like, instinctual reaction where you're like, that's about an hour. Yeah. And it's hard to relax fully again because you know... Too much time has passed. Yeah. Whether you're at minute 45 or minute 59, it's irrelevant at that point. But yeah, yeah, it's hard to... It's like the beginning stage where you can't get focused again. No. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, But it, I don't know. That whole idea of like falling asleep, potentially, like that sort of always happens. I, I fought it a little bit because I felt my eyes get really heavy. And I was like, no, we're not, we're not going to fully slip into... Well, consciousness. What right was now. I'm what was interesting for me was that I, when that happened, I was pretty sure I still had my eyes open. Oh, although I had been long past the point of knowing or caring whether my eyes were open or not. Mm. 
Yeah, it it was so, very str- yeah. It's very strange because I just can't know. I felt my eyes closing very heavily, and I was like, "What? Why am I back here? Why am I feeling that?" Mm-hmm. Right. And then it makes you mad, and you're like, "Well, now I'm awake because <laughs> yeah, the rage yeah, yeah. has the rage has come back. So, might as well pry him open." Well, yeah, like it's really easy to meditate in the float tank, basically. And it it gives me a lot of respect for people that are able to have a disciplined and continuous practice of any kind, whether it's meditation, chanting, again, prayer, whatever, mm-hmm. in their lives. Because you can achieve that state with a lot more stimuli going on if you're very disciplined about it. Except you can never envy. You can never feel the anger. Like, the only yeah. way to ever get good and be able to return to that place over and over again is to be able to not suppress that emotion, but let it go but it's more like exercise based in a certain way because there's rigor involved with that you go in a tank and you're like no rigor push there's a certain amount of rigor in the tank but again that's why i described it as a shortcut yeah again same like hallucinogens just there's certain there's certain ways of shortcutting to really profound things yeah but it's pretty amazing to me that people can get disciplined enough to do that on a daily basis yeah it's not that you always succeed but that you can you know, nine out of ten, or you can get pretty consistent hmm. about getting yourself there, at least to some degree. Yeah. And imagine how amazing that must feel. I mean, like, when we left the float tank place, like, I mean, I felt great. Like, not only did my body feel good or whatever, but my mind felt great. Colors looked brighter. Everything seemed more beautiful. Like, I felt... It was also like golden hour in Cobble Hill, so yeah. that kind of helps. I f- well, it does, <laughs> yeah. but it wouldn't have mattered. It was yeah. like enhanced golden hour, and like yeah. I felt genuinely more empathetic. Even the next day, um, when I was reading my book, I crushed like a bunch of chapters in the book because my focus was better. Mm-hmm. I can't usually sit and read like a dense text like that for longer than thirty or forty pages, and I read like a hundred yesterday because I was just like, "Wow, I'm like, I'm eating this up." I, I was like a noticeable improvement in my life. And I was like, oh, I kind of get why people go through the trouble of being disciplined enough to meditate if you can't afford a $100 a day float tank. Yeah. Like, yeah, you do get a noticeable improvement in your overall performance, I think. Well, it's like doing a hard reset. Yeah. On 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 your brain, which is very strange. Well, like even body, because I was like, oh, my neck feels so much better. Like all the like the tenseness of, you know, the past however many months. I'm like, ah, well, that's gone. I'm fine now. Everything feels great. You know, the analogy of hard reset, I think, is exactly appropriate. Because you know how sometimes your computer will just start to get slow if you've ha- basically not turned it off in a month. Yeah. I know I do this with mine because I just put it on sleep or I mean, whatever. when's the last time you turned off your phone? And well, then it acts buggy and yes. then you're like, boop. And you turn it on and off and it's because it's been storing all this complicated information in the background in case you need it. Useless trash. But nine times out of ten, you don't need it. And, and it is exactly like that for a human brain. Like, you clear your cookies, cache, you shut every app off. Yeah. It's exactly that. Which is why it's like, yeah, I'll pay $100 for a hard reset. I don't give a fuck. Oh, it's, great. It's, it's very worth it. I mean, I said to you afterwards, I wish I could do that more. Mm-hmm. And we like looked at the subscription plans because, holy shit, yeah. It's just, you know, again, it's the same pre- reason like software developers and shit microdose all the time. Oh, you can yeah. kind of get around it. The thing is, if you're really interested in this type of experience, you should do the disciplined thing. Mm-hmm. Here, I'm a moralist. 
<laughs> you <laughs> shouldn't use shortcuts. You need some Protestant work ethic in there to get to uh, Nirvana. Yeah, m- maybe mm. in my maybe in my case it's Protestant or whatever, but I genuinely feel like y- you're only going to be able s- to sustain this thick or thin, rich or poor, if you don't shortcut. Yeah, mm. it's the reason that monks can live in caves without money and without cutting their fingernails or ever speaking to anybody or whatever, because you literally wouldn't. You get disciplined enough about this, you wouldn't need to eat. Yeah, you wouldn't need to do anything. I mean, this is this is true stories of like oh the monk that got cast in the bronze yes really really serious monks eventually reach this point where they don't need to do anything because you can sustain yourself in that what i would call the unity for as long as you want forever Hmm. and i'm sure that only gets more and more profound with more and more practice like ulrika could probably tell us about that it sounds like some of her her um experiences with spiritual practice get way beyond something like the float tank like that's amateur hour you know and i've had lsd trips that are way beyond the float tank Hmm. but i don't think you should shortcut these things i don't think you should i think that's why even in the example of drugs like in cultures and societies that used things like ayahuasca and peyote widely it was a spiritual ceremony it was not recreational you shouldn't fuck around with this. Like my only criticism of the float tank would be to say that it's unfortunate kind of that this is commodified as like a, Oh, you're overworked at your software developer job and you don't really have any real like connections in your life. You can shortcut to spirituality with something like this. My criticism, you know, there I'm a moralist here. I'm a Marxist. Okay. (laughs) See, I just, uh, you know, I'm just here for the tune-up. Like, I, that's why it's, uh, like, when you say it's a shortcut, I'm like, no, it's just, it is just, like, going to the Geek Squad. Well, which like, is Can fine. you reset me, please? Which Thank is fine. You. There, there, there's, there's no judgment there. It's just that I, I'm, I'm so tempted by the idea that that could be a perpetual state. Oh, yeah. Um, Because I know that it can. Because mm-hmm. history says that it can. Um, And I think, you know, all of us would be better off to take that lesson to heart and like try to achieve a little piece of that in ourselves every day than to rely on just purchasing a big chunk of it every once in a while. Yeah. It's okay as an indulgence. I don't hold it against you. I, it was an indulgence for me. Yeah, but it, it's like a functional, like, because I've been wanting to do it for like a year. I was like, oh, I think I need a reset. I couldn't believe it had been that long since the last time you'd done it. <laughs> I thought it was so like long. a year ago. No. It's been a, you know, very long time. Um, and I was like, uh, need a reset. Need a reset real bad. Shit. Cause well, it felt it, good. Do you still feel good? I've been a little surprised how quickly the effects of it have kind of worn off for me. I mean, I, my, uh, uh the effects on my body have worn off because I did, I did some uh, heavy lifting labor. Sure, I'm more interested in the mental state, though. Oh, I no, that's sustained. Oh, that's good. I I am a like, like I know when I have a short fuse for things, and when the fuse just keeps like I can only regenerate so much fuse per day. Sure. Or per, you know whatever, you know. And now I'm like, oh, I have so much fuse now. But now it's just a matter of being conscious to be like, don't burn it all up. Don't be a bitch. Don't burn it up. Yeah, that's great. Like, know that you have a fuse and, like, 
you did a treat thing to get the reset, but like that's not always an option. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You know. Unfortunately, my addiction to the stonk market used up my store of wick very quickly. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that'll, yeah, that's going to make you like burn off a lot of the wick. You, you but don't like, go to the float tank and then go to the casino on your phone. It's a bad no, idea. No, it's very bad. I mean, the ideal like float tank day is to like go do a tank, have a burger, and then crush a bunch of beers and then really just, you know, settle in. Oh, I slept like a baby the, the, that night, by the way. Oh, yeah. Which is unusual for me, especially during this COVID shit. My sleep's been all over the place, but I actually felt like. Oh, I was oh, exhausted. I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was f- fully tuckered out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is just a matter of like, huh? I don't know. Like uh, the bodily stuff, I'm like, that's not going to be a lasting thing because, like, well, no, and I don't think that's the point. That is like, I the really point. just yeah. don't think that's the point. I'm sure it's useful for some people in that way, but that's just a pleasant side effect of a more profound thing yeah anyway what are we at this episode really 20? long that's good because i can cut out that whole part where i embarrass myself trying to talk about thomas piketty <laughs> oh boy let me talk about some things that i'm only halfway through this door stopper yeah. oh boy Ugh. okay goodbye Plus, that's his first one right